Hello, folks, and welcome to another BGC Bytes podcast. We are going to hear a little more from Site Village 2023 on this podcast. You're going to hear from Greg Hargraves from PageBrail, who's talking about Page Connect, and Cloda is talking to Guide Dogs UK, Andy Farrell from Talking News Federation, and finally Rose Woodall, who is the coordinator for Site Village London 2023. So enjoy, and do remember that there are links to all these organizations in the show notes of the podcast. So I'm Greg Hargraves, and I work for Page Braille. Um, Page spelled P-A-I-G-E. What is Page Braille all about? So our first product is called Page Connect, and it's a simple upgrade for the classic Braille writers. Um, so the old classic Perkins Brailler has got a baseboard. We swap that out, and then we can connect it wirelessly to any phone, tablet, or laptop. So that's a bit mind-boggling. <laughs> You're taking an old, an existing Braille Perkins Braille uh, device and you're adding in a board underneath which can now connect wirelessly to a computer. Yeah, exactly. And then we can display the print translation of whatever you're embossing in Braille. So if you're in a mainstream school or you've got a sighted parent who doesn't know Braille, they'll be able to read the print translation of what you're embossing as you're embossing it. Also, if you had your screen reader turned on, it would be speaking to you what you're embossing at the same time. So is it is it exporting the the Braille into Word into a Word format in a Word document or Notepad or something like that? Yeah, so it lets you save the file. So you've got a digital copy as well that you can then download and you can share. Um, yeah. How did this all come about? Uh, so we all went to university across the road at Imperial um, and we got approached by a charity called the Kilimanjaro Blind Trust. And so that's how we kind of got into the space. And then we kept working on this problem and then we graduated last year and then um, are trying to sort of go to market with this product. And what's the reaction been so far? So at first we weren't really sure how useful it was and then we got approached by some local authorities who worked in sort of mainstream settings and they were very, very enthusiastic about it. And so that kind of spurred us on to actually take it to market and try and deliver it to all these local authorities. So with my existing Perkins Brailler at home, what happens, What do you, do you need to take that uh, do I need to deliver that to you and then you put in the new board or what, what happens? How does it work? So you'd go onto our website and you could buy one and then we would ship it out in a small um, package and then it would come through your letterbox with some simple setup instructions. So all you have to do is unscrew the base of your brailler, so it's 11 screws, screw in our board, plug in the USB and then you're good to go. And is it outputting onto the screen uh, grade one, grade two, or, or UEB, or is, is there a limitation to what it, it's going to output? So at the moment we're using um, Liblui, which is a really amazing translation software that's all open source, community supported, and so we're supporting U, um, UEB at the moment, but we want to expand to other languages um, when we enter other countries. If somebody in Ireland was interested in getting the board, uh, how would they get in contact with you? Presumably you are shipping, if you're shipping worldwide, then Ireland would be included in that. So at the moment, we've got a wait list on our website that people can join, and we're doing a limited trial with some local authorities and charities to iron out any kinks that are left in the product so that we can launch more widely in the new year. We want to get it to the point um, where we can sell it more broadly. Um, so that's the main aim. And we're also um, starting to work with other like distributors and charities in other countries to see whether they might be interested in it and see if we can distribute it more widely. Well done for doing this. Fair, fair play. Thanks a lot. And it's 
we're resting on the shoulders of giants a little bit with what Perkins has done and Liberary, so we're just kind of connecting the two together. Um, so we're doing very little. Um, it's mostly kind of bringing these two things together that have already existed and been supported. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks a lot. It was lovely to speak to you. You can email blindguyschat at gmail.com or tweet us at blindguyschat if you've any comments or questions. My name is Andy Farrell and I work at Guide Dogs and I'm a service marketing officer. A service marketing officer? What, do, what, what does that mean? I get to go out and talk to people about Guide Dog services, including our amazing dogs, which is a lovely job. Well, you're exactly the right person to talk to then, aren't you? <laughs> Possibly. We'll so, so can you tell me a little bit about Guide Dogs and what you guys do? Sure. Well, we've obviously got our world-class dog service, which is amazing and just adds value to people's lives. But I think it's important as well. A lot of the time when I come to these events, the more um, in-depth conversations I often have are around our CYP services. We've got a massive range of children and young people services from customised books to buddy dogs to... Um, school education support family events family support there's so much that we do with children and young people and that's where i think we get the most value because obviously people know about our dogs and the impact that they have on people's lives so me telling them that events like this aren't always news whereas a lot of what we do with children and young people is we also do um which i've talked to a few people today about um friends and family training well, that's really interesting, I have to say. Yeah, so like sighted guide type thing? That's exactly it, because what we find often with friends and family, because you've got an intimate relationship with your family members, it's often where the most inappropriate guiding comes in. Um, yeah, I've talked to people who've used their wives as human shields when they've been crossing the road, two hands on the shoulder. Um, and it, it's, yeah, just not safe and, and can cause friction in relationships. I can only imagine. <laughs> So we deliver virtual friends and family training. We also deliver face-to-face um, -face sessions as well, locally, um, if there's demand for them. But yeah, I think that's um, something that's well worth knowing from today, I think, is that if I could tell everybody about that. Those friends and family sessions, they can almost become like counselling sessions as well, because they are done in small environments, and that's where you get to have the most telling conversations, and you find out what the real issues are. And so often it's little things like, he moves the toilet paper. So when I go into the toilet, I can never find the toilet paper. Or he keeps putting the toothpaste back in the wrong pot. Or he swapped my hair shampoo with bleach. And, uh, <laughs> That's oh, a bad one, in fairness. Completely. Yeah, Although, <laughs> could lead to a very fetching new do. Um, depends on your take on life. So it's um, really, really important for him to give people the chance to have those conversations and just yeah, yeah talk to one another. And yeah. that uh, they add so much value. Tell me how many guide dogs are there out there now that you guys have uh, or, or is it better to ask you how many clients you uh, guide dogs have pre-pandemic there was around two thousand um, five thousand guide dog owners um, working across the country now we're around three thousand five hundred guide dog owners so it's a huge impact that it's had and that's been caused by the challenges of making new partnerships in the post-covid world and also the impact that COVID had on existing partnerships. Dogs' workloads changed, people went out less, um, people lost employment, so it all had a huge impact. And so we're working really hard to try and repair that damage that's been done. Um, we've invested lots in frontline services around trainers um, to try and make sure that there's more people at the coalface, helping people get out, develop the mobility and the orientation skills they need. Um, and then on the other side of the coin as well, making sure that we're developing world-class dogs who can go into active partnerships in the future. Do people have to come to your centres around the country or do you go to them? 
we've got community teams based up and down the country, um, so generally we go to them now. Um, in years gone by, we did used to have people come into centres and we would train them in centres, but to be honest, we've found it works more appropriately from a resource perspective to go out into people's communities and train them in their communities. It's more useful, I suppose, because you're training them in routes that they're going to be using every day. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that, yeah. yeah. As well as the friends and family training, we deliver Introduction to Sighted Guide training, which is for anybody in the general public, so anybody in a customer-facing role. So if you've got anyone out there who has had bad customer service experiences, where you've maybe gone to your library and been left standing there waiting for someone to come over and ask you for help, we provide Introduction to Sighted Guide training, which includes a little element of sight loss awareness as well, where we can really help upskill people to be able to provide good customer service for people with sight loss. Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time. Thank you so much. It was good to learn a bit more about guide dogs. Lovely talking to you. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. You too. You can email blindguyschat at gmail.com or tweet us at blindguyschat if you've any comments or questions. So I'm here with Richard Black and he's from Talking News Federation. Richard, tell me about TNF. TNF is a federation which looks after 300 or so individual local talking newspapers. They take the normal paper, local newspaper, sit down and they record it, producing an audio version which is then sent out to visually impaired people who obviously have trouble reading a normal newspaper. So it's like a subscription service but for local news? It's subscription but it's free. Better still. (laughs) (laughs) And are these weekly local papers? It depends on what what local paper is available locally. Um, There's a a great range. Some do local papers, sorry, some do weekly papers, some do monthly papers. Uh, The local paper can cover everything from the local murders to who's got the best garden. Um, Describing the pictures can can be tricky but informative. Local papers also have the deaths. It's important. Lots of people like to know who's died. Right, so you, somebody. Re- so do you have the same people reading out the whole thing, or do people take sections? We, we have, most of them have a range of, of volunteers, and they tend to read about once a month. So we maybe have four, four or five teams of, of readers who get together once a month and read that week's news. That's amazing. And so I presume it's done on computer and then it's emailed around. Is that, is that how it works? It's sent out using the articles for the blind oh, yes. thing and we send it out on a USB stick and they get it in an envelope which is addressed to them. They turn the envelope card round and it's addressed to us again. Okay. They stick it in a normal, normal post box. How is this funded? How, I mean, I know it's volunteers, but there's got to be costs involved, right? Yeah, there are costs involved. I mean, USB sticks to get decent quality ones can be three or four pounds. Uh, the wallets are a few pounds. Most of them are funded by donations. Occasionally they will um, get a grant for, for instance, changing from cassette tapes to USB sticks. That was quite a cost for many of them. Um, legacies occur occasionally um, unfortunately not evenly so some talking newspapers will get quite a bit from legacies others don't get a a trace Uh, some 
will do it through shaking a tin on the local corner. Um, others get it from their, their volunteers. Occasionally, uh, listeners will slip a fiver in the, in the envelope as a donation. That's a nice touch. What can people do if they want to get in touch? The easiest route is to go to the Federation website, which is tnf.org.uk. There's a search facility on there, and they can see what's local and get the contact details. Fantastic. And I presume it's UK-wide, right? Yes. Brilliant. Richard, lovely talking to you. Thanks so much. You can email blindguyschat at gmail.com or tweet us at blindguyschat if you've any comments or questions. Hello, my name's Rose Wardour and I'm from Queen Alexandra College but I'm Side Village Events Coordinator. Well, so you're the lady who put all this together? Along with my colleague, yeah. What's it been like for you today? How, how are you feeling about how it's going? Yeah, really excited for today and the feedback. Uh, people coming was really buzzing and really excited about the event uh, because we run this once a year in London and people leaving just that they've really enjoyed it, a big selection of seminars um, and just somewhere they can get together with friends. So yeah, really successful. And I've seen people making new friends here, you know, swapping numbers and email addresses. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it is. It's not just, it is um, about the exhibitors and seeing what services and products are available. But it's also becomes a community. And I think that's very important. Was it hard to organise? Yes, there's a lot of work in the background to pull off a big event. So, yes, but on the day, it's all worth it. So what, how long does it take? When do you start organising something like this? Um, can take months with looking for the venue, just making sure that it's accessible and yeah, there's a checklist you have to go through to make sure it's perfect. How do you fund it? Um, well, that comes from college, yeah, so because we work for Queen Alexandra College. And tell me about the college, what do they do? So Queen Alexandra College are a college for visually impaired and also other disabilities based in Birmingham and that's in Harborne. And that college has been running, the college has been open since 1905. Wow, that's impressive. (laughs) And how many students are there? Uh, We've probably got over 400 students, if not more now. God, that's massive. And from all over the UK? Yeah, so we've got all different um, qualifications. So we've got preparation for life. So that would be entry one, entry two. Then we do qualifications and then we do BTEC. So, yeah. We, we go up to level three. That's fantastic. Well, brilliant. So if people want to find out more about Queen Alexandra College, where do they go? So they can go on to the website, um, which is, it's short for QAC, but they can Queen Alexandra College find out more information. Um, there'll be telephone numbers, emails, they can phone up the marketing department, come for open days. Um, yeah. Rose, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. BusyBusyProductions.com